Good morning. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. So, um, so today, I actually was kind of an interesting week for me. I had a sermon all the way done and ready to go Thursday, and I get home, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Barbara, I've got to start all over. Um, the Lord doesn't want me to preach that. So I think I wrote a sermon, and it's just going to go into the trash. So anyway, so um, literally I finished, I think, 20 minutes before service started, getting my last slides in so that we could see it on the, on the, on the wall behind us. But true manhood. We're going to talk about true manhood. And sometimes I, I, I stray away from talking about sermons that would focus on, on men or on women. And then I always think maybe because... Um, that maybe it doesn't relate to everybody, but this absolutely relates to everybody. Um, man, woman, child, this does. Um, and so I, I thought about what is true manhood? Because we live in a world where manhood is being attacked. What is it to be a, a man? There was a video not long ago that they've been putting on and they've been trying to define what is a woman. And, and so with manhood and womanhood being attacked... Who knows more about manhood than the one who created man? Right? So what we're going to do today is we're going to actually take a, we're going to walk through Genesis chapter 2 and part of Genesis chapter 3 to kind of get an idea of what God's view of manhood is. And, and so let me start off with this, the importance of Father's presence. There's 18.4 million children live without a father figure. That is, they live without a, 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 a biological father, a stepdad, or an adopted dad. Um, that is 25% of all children. One out of every four children do not have a father figure in their life. And I want you to listen to me. That does not mean that you have to have a father figure in your house or under your roof. That there is a lot of children that don't have father figures. They don't have someone be willing to walk and, and challenge them. And, and I want you to hear me. It takes a man to draw a man out of a boy. All right? It does. Because a woman is a woman. A woman is not going to know how to be a man because she's not a man. It takes a man to draw a man out of a boy. We need more men to step up in the world that we're living in. So I want you to see this. And, and then, so let me give you some statistics here. Children without father figures, they are 279% more likely to carry guns, and we're not talking about the Second Amendment kind of way, to carry guns or deal drugs. They are two times more likely to su suffer obesity, two times more likely to drop out of school, four times greater chance of poverty. 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes. 90% of youth runaways or homeless children are coming from a home without a father figure. It's kind of a big deal, isn't it? Kind of let that sink in for a moment. That's a big deal. 85% of youth who are currently in prison grew up without a father figure. 92% of men who are currently in prison are fathers themselves. So there's 90% of the men. Now, who's raising their children? You see where I'm going, right? 
Men with absentee fathers are more likely to become absentee fathers themselves. Women with absentee fathers are more likely to have children with absentee fathers. Because there's an old saying that girls tend to marry boys who resemble their father. What does that say to the girl who has no father figure? The girl who has no father figure in her life, she is seven times greater. She has a seven times greater chance to become pregnant as a teenager. There's a problem, isn't there? We can see that there's a problem in this world, right? But I want to also show the other side of this. The power of a radically transformed man. If a man is radically transformed by God, he has a 90% chance to reach the entire family. This is amazing when you start thinking about it. Why? I don't know why the statistics are the way that they are. But if a man, because he's the head of the home, no matter how badly a woman may want to lead her home or maybe not give the leadership up, there is something special happens when a man becomes a man of God and he leads his home. He has a 90% chance to change everything for his wife and for his children. That's the kind of man we need. You see, when a man sits idly back and he takes a back seat, the woman who is radically transformed by God has a 30% chance to reach her husband and to reach her children. A child who is radically transformed for God has a 15% chance to reach their their parents. Men. We need to take back our homes. We need to become who God created us to be. And that's exactly where we're going to start. God created a man to be a steward. The word steward is one who is placed in charge to manage something that belongs to another. You see, everything that we have in this world is God's. God is the creator. The world belongs to him and everything in it. Can we start in agreement there? Right? So here's the deal. God created me. Guess who I belong to? I belong to God. So that's why the Bible tells me that I'm to take care of my body. Right? Because it's not my body. But guess what? This even goes on to my wife was created by God. She belongs to God. He, I am gracious enough that God gave me my wife. My children are created by God. They belong to Him. You know, that was the hardest lesson. I think that going through, you know, my beginning years of marriage and things, it was easy to understand that that my wife belonged to God because there was many times I'm like, Lord, you created her. Kind of like what Adam and Eve did, and she did the same thing to me. She goes, Lord, He's yours. And right now, I want to take him to the throne of heaven and drop him off for a little while. No doubt. I, amen, right, honey? I guarantee you there's some days that she's wanting to like, can I just drop him off for a little while, Lord? You take care of him, deal with him a little bit. But here's the thing is, as a parent, the hardest thing to do is to come to a realization that your kids are not your own. And it's really easy until they get sick. It's really easy to, as, as long as everything is going easy in life, it's like, yeah, that's yours, God, it's yours, God, until things aren't. 
The hardest thing that I ever did in my life was to give my son to whom he belonged. Malachi belonged to God before he ever belonged to me. And as a father, I had to realize that these kids are not mine. I'm raising them for him. Fathers, if we could figure that out, we can figure out a lot of stuff. Because what we end up doing is too many parents are trying to live through their kids, right? You know, repeat their glory days, and I'm like the worst. I'm not even going to lie to you. My poor kids, anytime they're doing a sport, oh, you want to do a sport? We're all in, you know? And I'm like, so, but here's the deal is we're not doing that in heaven. See, a lot of times we kind of forget what, what this is. What I'm supposed to be doing is I'm, I'm a steward of these children, and I'm raising them in the way that they should go for him. So if we as a man can understand that the first thing that God did is he created a man to be a steward. That means that I'm placed in charge of something that's not mine. I'm in charge. I am responsible for my wife. I'm responsible for my kids. My wife is not responsible for me. My wife is not even responsible for the children. I am. God created it that way. I don't get to sit on the sidelines. And I don't get to take a back seat. God didn't create me to. He says, I'm creating you to be responsible. You to lead out. Man was created first. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. Right now, up to this moment in the scriptures, Eve has not yet been created. Adam was formed first. If you need a New Testament reference, 1 Timothy 2.13 says, For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Now, this isn't a battle between men being better and women being not because here's the deal is this never says that we're not equal, that we're not of equal value or of equal worth. This is talking about who is responsible. I'm wanting us men to understand that we are created to be responsible for our families. So, before man had a wife, he had a job. A man needs to know how to hold a job before he can hold his wife. I thought my wife would like that. She, I didn't even tell her the slide, and I'm like, oh, she's going to like this one. In Genesis 2.15, Jesus or the Lord said then, Then the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. Okay? So, so here's the deal. Before... Eve came in. She's not even been, she's not here yet. She hasn't been created. So here's the deal. God creates man. He, cre he, he plants this garden and now he takes the man. And he goes, now I'm putting you, I'm giving you a job to do. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to tend the garden and you're going to keep the garden. Two words that I need to understand, the word tend. In Hebrew, it means to work or labor and it even suggests hard effort. I need to know that you can work hard. Because God had a plan to bring Eve into the picture, but not before Adam showed what he could do. Adam, I need to know that you can work hard. Will you take care of your family? 
The word keep in Hebrew is samar. It means to keep something as it is. So I'm not to let it get worse. I'm to manage it. So God planted this garden. I am supposed to manage it. So let young ladies, where's my young teenage girls? Where's my teenage girls? Raise your hand. Don't be, don't be afraid to raise your hands right now. We're, they're all be okay. And, and young men that are dating or chasing after my young girls. So, young ladies, listen to me. <laughs> I don't care how good looking he is. Charles, you're not that good looking. I'm just saying. I mean, I know that she thinks that you're good looking, but... You're like, why do I even... He moved from the first row to the fourth so that he wouldn't get seen. I know where my daughters are, just letting you know. All right. I don't care how good-looking he is. I don't care how sweet he is. I don't care how good of intentions he is. If he doesn't have a job, he's not ready for a wife. Okay? So... As a man, being a part of manhood is knowing that I can, the first thing that a man has to do for his house is provide. I, uh, I remember when Barbara and I first got married, um, and, and I remember there was a time that she was, trying, she was going to school, and I was working three jobs. It was craziest time of my life, three jobs. I, I remember there was two days that I worked 21 hours and 24, and I was beat. I was tired, but I understood that first responsibility. My daddy taught me. He's like, Dan, Daniel, when you leave my house, there's three things that you're going to know. You're going to be respectful to people. You're going to be responsible, and you're going to be a hardworking young man. If you can do those three things, you will succeed in life. And I knew how to work hard. I knew how to be respectful to all adults. And I knew how to be responsible. And I was being responsible for my wife so that she could focus on school. And so I worked three jobs for a season. As long as that season needed. And I didn't care what it was. I, I was married, a pastor, and working at Pizza Hut. Kids, listen to me. I get so sick and tired of kids going, there's no jobs. I could flip burgers. I worked, I start, my first job was washing dishes at Pizza Hut. I worked at Pizza Hut for eight straight years. All through high school, all through college. I'm not above Pizza Hut. Their pizza's great. Sometimes we walk around and like, I'm not going to do that job. Here's the deal. If I want to have a family, I'm going to be responsible. And if it's working at a gas station, I'm working at a gas station. Family first. That's what we have to get to a part of is understanding that a job is a job. I can always upgrade. The first thing that we have to do in manhood is understand that I'm here to protect. I'm here to provide. So start providing. All right, next verse. Before man had a wife, he knew how to follow the Lord. We need this one. A man needs to know how to follow the Lord before he can lead his wife. The Lord took the very next verse that we're looking at. God, the Lord, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. Now I want you to think about this. Who did God give this command to? Well, how do we know it wasn't given to both Adam and Eve? 
Because she wasn't created yet. Good listeners, you are going, you're right on it. So what God did is said, okay, I'm going to give you a job. Okay, you can work the garden. Great. Now I'm going to see if you know how to follow me. If I can't follow the Lord, I have no business leading a woman. She doesn't belong to me. So if I can't follow God, I shouldn't be leading any woman. I shouldn't be married. That's hard, isn't it? You guys got real quiet real fast. That was a little shock and awe. I've been working on that. A little shock and awe. A little shock and awe here. Think about it. I'll tell you this. I, I'll tell you this. There will be no boy. I hope you're listening, Charles. I'm not even going to look at you. I'm just saying to say your name. There better never be a boy. If any boy ever wants to ask for one of my daughter's hands, the one thing, I, here's, here, here it is. My question, do you love Jesus more than you love my daughter? Because if you do, then you'll know how to love her. That's it. If he loves Jesus most and she's second place. Now, if he's walking around and, and oh, she's everything. and a, No, she's not. Her breath stinks just like mine and yours in the morning. <laughs> See, the Lord is speaking to him. The Lord is giving the man this command. You see, if a man is not strong enough to follow the Lord, then he's not strong enough to lead you, young ladies. This is where a lot of ladies make their compromises. A lot of young ladies... They, they follow their physical attraction. A lot of young ladies will say, well, he's a good guy and I'll get him to church. Well, then he's following you, not leading you. There's the problem. If a boy is coming to church because of the girl, he's not leading, he's following, and therefore he can't lead as God has called him to lead. Right? So here's the thing is, think about this. It all makes sense. Who asks who to marry who? The man. He gets down on his knee and he comes to the girl and says, will you marry me? And what he's asking is, will you follow me into life? Ladies, don't just say yes because a boy's on his knee and he has an expensive rock. There's a lot of expensive rocks out there. You can get a better. <laughs> so... You need to find someone who's going to lead you in the right direction. I have so many girls that come later and they're like, wow, I made them. You made that. You said yes. You didn't have to. You could have said no. See, when I start, whoop, whoa, whoa, slow down. <laughs> Sermon's over all of a sudden, you know. So, I lost my mouse. I don't even know where he went. There's, I, I lost my rodent. I don't know where. I'll just have to use space bars from now on. So, all right. So, so before a man had a wife, he knew how to follow the Lord. And if I could spend all day, I would. But I know that we we all want to to be able to celebrate our fathers in a little bit. But you know, man, if a man is not following the Lord. 
then who is he following? Hmm? Who's he following? If If he's not following the Lord, he's following someone or something. And young ladies, if you want to be in a godly home, and you want that picture that God gives us of what marriage is supposed to look like, then you need to make sure that you set your standards high enough that you're not settling for something that is not going to lead you in the way that you deserve to be led. This is why he asks you. He's inviting you to follow him into life. Understand what marriage is before you jump in it. We have a lot of people jumping into marriage and they don't understand what it means. He's inviting you. I'm going to lead you. Now come follow. If you don't want to follow, ladies, then don't get married. It's okay to not be married. In fact, the Bible says, hey, if you get married, you're going to have a lot of trouble in this world. It's probably easier to lead yourself because he's going to be an idiot. Amen, all right? All right, so before a man had a wife, he had to learn how to lead. A man needs to know how to lead before he ever asks her to follow him. That's good, isn't it? So the Lord God, he brought, he says, it's not good that man be alone. He, he, he created us. He's like, yes, it's not good for you to be alone. Hot dogs and ramen noodles are no way to sustain a healthy diet, you know. Um, he goes, I'm going to make a helper comparable. I'm going to make a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and he brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, the every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. See, what does this have to do with leadership everything? More than what you can actually see. I want you to think about what's happening. Okay, God is the creator. He created man, right? So God created man. He put him in a garden. And then God created all these animals. But he gave a very special task. And he gave authority to Adam in order to name the animals. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, God gave dominion to man over the animals. That's leadership. Dominion is, I have dominion over them. They're not his. Why? Because he didn't create them. But he has dominion. And so it's interesting to see that God is his created man. He created all of these animals. He's bringing these animals, but he gave Adam the right to name them. He, this is a, a transfer of authority. God brought the animal to see what Adam would call it, and whatever Adam called it, it was its name. Even when it was a ridiculous name like platypus. Who come up with that? I mean, I mean, the Lord, can you imagine being God in that moment? And Adam's like, cow, Angus, and he goes down the line and duck. And then the Lord, you know, because after a while you're probably getting tired because you know how many animals there are, right? And the Lord's like, I'm going to grab this beaver and I'm going to take this duck and boom, let's see what happens here. And then Adam's like, platypus? And the Lord's like, oh, come on. You know, like, really? I mean, when you start thinking of the, right? Okay, anyway, so 
When I'm writing a sermon, that's what usually happens. I'm like, and he gave them all the names. And then my mind went to all these weird animals. I'm like, I bet that was fun. I bet the Lord was having all kinds of fun. I was like, <laughs> we're going to see what happens here. Oh, that's a good one. And so anyways, so, so the Lord allowed Adam to name all of these animals. Um, God said it wasn't good to be alone, but he also needed to make sure that Adam was ready. I mean, think about this. The woman is still not made. Now, God in his infinite wisdom knew he was going to, I'm going to give you a helper comparable to you. None of the animals looked like him. But what God was doing is he was bringing out, he was showing responsibility. Here, you're going to have some dominion over all of the animals, the birds of the sea, and, and all of that out of Genesis 127. So I'm wanting you to see that, that all of this is happening. So my, my, when I start thinking that, you know, God said it's not good for you to be alone, Right? See, one of the things that we're all looking forward to as young people is getting married. I remember, you know, I mean, I, I thought a lot about sports in high school, but there was a, when I got to college, I was not so much interested in the sports than I was in finding, you know, Mrs. Mrs., Mrs. Yoder, right? And I just so happened to find a, a girl that was getting her MRS degree. MR, MRS, Miss, MR, MRS degree. I'm just, I'm just checking. Okay, so just... All right, you'll, you'll get it later. So my grandma would often tell me when I was dating girls in high school, she would be like, why are you dating this girl? I'm like, I don't know, I'm just having fun. And my grandma hated when I would say things like that. My grandma would be like, Daniel, and she would get her little finger, and she would usually start by kind of wiggling her lips, deciding whether she was going to speak first. She would go, and then usually when it was me, she would just go ahead and let it out because it was, it's, it's Daniel. So I'm just going let to him, let him know. And she told me, you know, she so, so many times she said, you know, here's the deal is, is you should never date somebody who wouldn't make a good mate. And I'm like, oh, grandma's rhyming. You know, um, she's like, you shouldn't be doing this. And then she would tell me a wonderful story about my grandpa. And she says, I knew, I knew Dean. And she just, I loved watching my grandma talk about my grandpa and, and about their dating story, and she would say, you know, Grandpa Dean, I knew he was a good man by how he treated his parents. And I knew that he was a great man because of how he treated his younger brother. And then she told me that if, I was, if the person I'm dating does not treat their family good, then they'll probably not treat you good either. If Adam couldn't treat these animals well, then is he really ready for Eve? Do you see how brilliant God is? I mean, when you start just slowing things down a bit, isn't that pretty remarkable to start thinking about, you know, that, that, that God's going through this process of preparing Adam to be the man that he's supposed to be. In the very next verse, then, the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man. So he made the man fall into a sleep because there was no helper there for him, and he made him fall into a sleep, took that rib, and the Lord God take that rib and made it into a woman, and then he brought her <laughs> to the man. Now listen to this. So the Lord created woman from Adam, and so he brings her to Adam. Okay, so he brought her to the man and then Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. The Lord allowed Adam to even give her the name woman. 
Isn't that pretty remarkable? Just like all of those animals, God was bringing them to Adam to see what he would call them. And now he brings a woman to see what he would call, and this is what Adam said, she's bone of my bones, she's flesh of my flesh, she will be called woman because she was taken out of man. That's pretty remarkable. So now we, we, we see, so, so man is, is called, every man you are called to be the leader of your home. Now, so let's get into marriage. Marriage, man and woman, Genesis 2.24, this is why a man leaves, this is the very next verse, by the way, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is what? United to his wife, and they will become one flesh. I want you to understand, men, that just because you're the leader doesn't make you better. You're not better than your wife. In fact, she's probably smarter than you. And this is a compliment because you invited her to, 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 to follow you, right? You're a good team, right? So, now I want you to understand is that, 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 that a lot of time men, because they become a leader, they can get a big head and pride can fill their hearts and they think they're better. This, is, this has nothing. This has nothing about that. Being a leader doesn't make you smarter. It doesn't make you more capable. Your man is simply the leader because that's what God said. That's how he set it up. That's how God chose to do it. He could have chose the woman. He could have created her first and the man second, but he didn't. Don't misunderstand that you are both equal in value. Anytime a man just thinks he's better than a woman and he thinks that his value is greater... That is one man you don't want to be around. Men will stand before God as the one responsible for his family. So Adam and Eve, they were having a good life. And the devil came in and tricked Eve into eating of the, of the, of the fruit of, this, of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. Adam followed suit. He followed her into the transgression. Um, we can go through some passages if we, if we struggle there. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, talks about how Eve sinned first. She was the one that was tricked, but he followed. This is where there was a problem. There was a problem in the home. The man stopped leading. And then the family dynamics kind of got messed up here. So they've sinned. They realized they were naked. They put some, some, some leaves on. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam said to his wife, or, and, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called Adam and said to him, where are you? Now, Let's stop for a moment and, and ask this question. Do you think God knew where Adam was? Right? God knew where he was. Do you think that the moment that they ate of that tree, do you think that God knew what was happening right when it was happening? Yes. Right? But I want you to not miss what's happening here. So God knows because he's all-knowing. But did you catch what it said? Did you catch that then the Lord God called to who? Adam. It doesn't say God called Adam and Eve. Get over here, you two. 
But, but who sinned first? Because according to Paul in 1 Timothy, the woman was deceived. The woman fell into transgression first. So then why didn't God start with her? Because he's responsible. She's responsible too. She, had some, she, she gets some punishment, but I'm wanting you to understand he's more responsible. You guys were only shaking your heads a few moments ago. You stopped shaking your heads in agreement. It's okay. I'll let it sink in. It's hard to, it's hard to sit there and the men, the men are in the service kind of like, like doing this, like slowly getting, you know, getting lower. I got to go to the bathroom, honey. This is a tough lesson on Father's Day, right? And like all the fathers are like, I'm, I want to go home. <laughs> like, he's so mean. <laughs> See, the Lord called Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? You and me need to have a talk about where this went. So you know what Adam replied when, when he finally came out? And he says, well, I was afraid. And, well, and you know, we, we were naked. And who told you you were naked? And then he's like, oh, the woman you created. See, all of a sudden, man stopped being responsible. He started acting like a child. And he says, it's her fault. You created her, God. Any of you guys, any of the, you probably never said this to your wife in front of her. But there's sometimes like, Lord, you created her. I mean, I'm just saying. You know, I'm like, she's yours first. Some of you are like, take her back. No, no. So, so here's the thing, though. I want you to, I want, so here's the deal is, is Adam is responsible. God said, I want you to keep and tend the garden, right? That was his job. I want you to keep my command. I want you to oversee the animals. I want you to provide and to protect and to take care of your wife. Fun. The woman said, so he, he calls her out too, finally after Adam said it was her fault, and then she said, no, the devil made me do it, right? I mean, nobody's taking responsibility. Then God said to the woman, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. That's giving birth. That's why it hurts ladies today. A lot of ladies say, well, we're no longer under that. Well, so I, I've had a lot of ladies before like say, well, you know, I don't like your take on women pastors and things like that. And I usually follow up with a kind of a, I'm, I try to lighten the mood by like, did it hurt? I'm like, what are you talking about? Did it hurt? Did, did it hurt giving birth? Yes. Then we're still under the same punishment that God set out or it wouldn't hurt anymore. And see, here's part of what God did is he set it in. He, if there was any questions before, we're going to make it clear now. Your desire shall be for your husband and he will rule over you. Like, God's not, God's not hinting around anymore. He said he was supposed to, I'm going to deal with him. He was supposed to lead, you were supposed to follow. And because we messed this all up, I'm going to make sure you understand clearly this is how it is. We don't like this part. This is a hard part. It's a hard part to accept. But God made it very clear who is to lead. And that was supposed to be the man. Then he said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and you've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. Any of you guys work with the ground? Hey, right? 
This all started because we weren't being responsible. So this is, this is the ground that still seems cursed. I, I have thistles. Yeah, yeah. So in it you shall toil, um, you shall toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, those stupid thistles, it shall bring forth for you, you shall eat of the herb of the field, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till the, you return to the game. So I mean, this is not easy, is it? God didn't make this easy, did he? You see, what I'm wanting you to understand, I'm about to bring it full circle to today. The first attack was on Eve. The first attack the devil made was deceiving Eve. But I'm wanting to show you today the attack is on the man. The devil attacked Eve, deceived her, turned the whole family concept upside down. And it's been confused ever since. Can we be honest about that? The home, the home is confused. But now there's an attack on manhood. So listen to this. If, if I were the devil, okay? So um, a long time ago, Paul Harvey said that if I was the devil and he, and he had a really awesome speech about what he would do, and it sounds exactly like today. But if I were the devil, I would attack everything that God had put into place for man. I would attack his manhood, I would attack his union with his wife, and I would attack his leadership. Now check this out. First thing, if I was the devil, I would distort man's view of his job. Remember how God placed Adam and, and, and gave him a job? I would get man to identify with his job rather than a savior. I would get men to start saying, well, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a farmer. I'm a truck driver. I'm a, I'm a, a steel worker. I'm, and we have men who identify more with what they do than who they are. If I was the devil, that's what I would get every man to do. Identify more with what you do than who you are. I would get him to value his, his, find his value and find his worth by his job. I would get him to hold on so tightly to his career or his, his, his business that it is first place over everything else in his life, including his family. See, workaholics place their work before their families. All the while being deceived, thinking that they're doing it for their families. If you ask a workaholic's wife if she would rather have the big house or a small house and him, she'll take the small house and him every day of the week. This is the great lie that men have been sucked into. The, the, a distorted view of our jobs 85% of men work over 40 hours per week. It's been proven that the human body only has so much energy in a day. And over the course of a day, even if you're managing your energy well, but there's only so much that goes. And what ends up happening is people are often, they've found that you're actually effective with less time than by putting on more, that you actually get more done if you do shorter stints. You see, working hard, I had to use my finger, I can't find my mouse still. Working hard is different than being addicted to work. There's nothing wrong with giving 100% effort at what you do. The problem with workaholics is that they feel like their 100% is not enough. 
So instead of putting an 8-hour day, then they put a 10-hour day or a 12-hour day. Instead of working five days a week, they start working six days a week. And then it goes into the Lord's Day in seven days a week. And instead of taking a vacation and making memories with their family, they choose to work. And they do whatever it takes and make all the sacrifices to get that new promotion or more money or the new thing that they need. If I was the devil, the second thing I would do is I would destroy true union between men and women. I would do this by uniting a man with as many women as possible through premarital sex, adultery, or pornography. Listen to this. 28,258 users are watching porn every single second. Right now. Every second. Now. 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 200. 28,000. 258 people right now. $3,000 is spent every second on pornography. $3,000 every second. The average age of the first exposure to porn is the age 12. 71% of teens hide their online behaviors from their parents. And it makes sense because they know more about the phones than we do. 27% of teenagers have already received sex. That's where it's sexting and texting and all that kind of stuff. 57% of teens search out porn at least monthly. See, the devil is already attacking manhood, and he's figured it out. If I can attack them when they're young, I can distort it for the rest of their life. It is a proven fact that if you, um, the, the, the more that you uh, get hooked on pornography and the, the things that come along with that, that you actually begin to learn how to, to pleasure yourself in such a way that when you get married, your wife is unable to pleasure you in the way that you've pleasured yourself. You can ruin yourself before you even get married. We were made to be pure for the Lord and to find that person and to share that intimacy with that person. And we get it all backwards. You can't turn the TV on where sex is not being pushed. Pornography doesn't have to be a triple X movie, an X-rated movie. It can be a rated R movie that mom and dad are watching and there's a sex scene and they're saying close their eyes but they still can hear everything. Or maybe some parents are letting them watch, well, PG-13 is not 13 anymore. You can't even watch Disney without things. What I'm wanting you to understand is that our children are being attacked at young, young ages. And many of the men in our homes are not standing against it. If I was the devil, the third thing that I would do is I would defeat man's spiritual confidence. I would let him hold on to his confidence in providing for his family with, through money, but I would destroy his confidence in himself as a man. I would defeat a man with shame and insecurity. Men like to act like they're really tough and macho, but, you know, we have very fragile egos. And what happens with a man is that when he starts falling into sin, 
He has just as much of a struggle as insecurity as a woman. He just doesn't admit it as quickly as a woman will. So he begins to feel like, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. My wife is way more spiritual than I. My wife knows the Lord so much better. She prays better than me. She studies her Bible better than me. And what a man does is he begins to destroy, or he allows himself to be destroyed in his confidence. And he begins to take a hold of shame and insecurity. And then he concedes. That means he gives up his leadership. So he says, I'll lead financially, I'll lead, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll protect and I'll provide, but I need you to lead spiritually. That's what the devil has already been doing. Getting the man to concede God's call for his wife and then gives it to his wife. Fine, you lead. You're better than me anyway. You're worthy. You're more valuable. And we stop being who God created us to be. Men have no clue what spiritual leadership is or what it looks like. And so many men have never seen it modeled for them. A spiritual leader sets the tone for his family. On a Sunday morning, he says, hey, get up. We're going to church. His children will see him reading their, his Bible. His children will see him praying. His children will see him worship, not standing like a lump on a log in church. Your children need to see you worship. Your children need to see you pray. Your children, they need to see you read your Bible. They need to see you serve in church. Serve your community. If you really want to get radical men, and you really want to set the spiritual climate of your home, is when a man decides to put God first in his finances. I know I just cussed in church. We don't like those words about money and stuff. You see, your kids, they're pretty perceptive. They know what comes first in your life, and since work often comes first for a man, men struggle greatly giving to the kingdom of God because they're doing this. I worked for it, it's mine. No, God created you. He gave you the gift to work. He gave you the job that you have. Everything's actually his and you're stealing from him. You want to radically change your life. My kids got their first jobs and I watch them without me having to say anything, put their tithe money in. I have an 11-year-old boy who I watched him get his first paycheck and he put his tithe in. And I just love watching 11 and 12-year-olds say, I understand who I value and where this came from. And I'm so proud of my children. I'm so proud because it's hard. Guys, tithing and giving is hard. It's hard to give God what's his. But you want to radically change stuff? You want to really shake it up? Spiritual leadership is a willingness to do the dishes. Vacuum the floor. I don't dust. I'm not going to lie to you. I will volunteer to do dishes. I don't have a problem at all doing dishes. I enjoy, actually, I like doing dishes for my family every once in a while. Last night on our Father Day celebration, I did the dishes. I don't mind doing dishes. Um, I, I don't really like 
sweeping and vacuuming, but I will. I'll wipe off a table. But um, spiritual leadership is saying that nothing is beneath me. I can clean a bathroom. I can clean a toilet. I'm not afraid to do any of those things. I want my kids to not think that that's beneath me. Hey, easy over there. A spiritual leader says, we're not going to watch this because it's inappropriate. A spiritual leader says, you're not going to listen to that. A spiritual leader will say, you know what? We're done with the phones. We're done with Facebook. We're done with TikTok. We're done with these things. A spiritual leader leads and is not afraid to hurt his kids' feelings. I tell my kids all the time, I love them, and they know that I'm so proud of them. But you know what? I tell them all the time. I'm not here to be your friend. I love you, but I'm not your friend. I'm your father, and this is what we're going to do. And one day, you'll know why. One day when you're a parent, I'm hoping that you will take some of these things and that you all promise that you're never going to do again. I'm never going to spank my kids. I hope that you do. So what are we going to (laughs) do? So, manhood. Young ladies, this is, that's the kind of man you should be looking for. And don't settle for anything less. Young men, that is the kind of man you should be striving to be. Wives, if you're wishing that you hadn't gotten married, if you want a better husband, pray for the one you have. And I'm being sincere about that. Here's the thing. I'm a better husband every day. I'm getting to be a better husband, and it's because that woman prays for me every single day. She does. She prays for me every day. And not the kind of prayers where like, Lord, would you make his brakes go out down the road? Or could you, could you just drop a rock? Or could that apple fall from the top of the tree and really hit him good? No, that's not. She's praying. Even when she's mad at me, she's praying for God to move in my life, not to hurt me, but she wants me to grow. Just like I pray for my wife and I pray for my children. You want a better wife? Pray for the one you have. You want a better husband? Pray for the one you have. Men, most of all, we need to step up. We need to become who God called us to be. If you're not married yet, don't ask any woman to follow you in life until you are ready. Until you have become the kind of man worthy to be followed. That means that you are following the Lord 100%. As best as you can. Not perfect. The best that you can. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, here's what we're going to do. I think men are more afraid than we let on. I think as, as, a, as men, we don't want to be emotional. We don't want people ever to see weakness in us when we struggle with weakness all the time. And the truth is, we're just not always willing to be honest. Yes. 
Maybe there's something that God had for you today, because there's, there's no doubt I know that God had me preach this sermon because I didn't know what I was going to say yesterday. What I want you to do is, is men, if, if God is moving right now and, and you need to make some commitments, I want to open up this altar. Anyone can come to the altar, but I'm going to challenge men to be the first. Men to be the first to say, I need to start leading my family. I need to start leading my family to the altar. I need to start leading my family in prayer. Maybe there's some commitment that you need to make to the Lord today. Maybe there's some things that you need to say, you know what? I'm convicted. God's convicting me of the, what kind of man I should be, and I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to start being the man God called me to be. I want to start being a father that my children want to follow. I want to start being a husband that my wife will be excited to stand next to. Wives, if you're here, I would just, I would just encourage you to come and put your hand over your husband's shoulder. Nothing more powerful nothing more powerful than a man on his knees before God nothing will change a family more than a man who's not afraid to be on his knees to seek God to make a change to be strong enough and bold enough and courageous enough to go home and make changes that need to be made Father, I just pray that you would show each man exactly what you have for him and what task you have before him. God, I'm laying, I just pray so much that you would you would show these children such a burden for our youth and their relationships. God, that you would show them the kind of men that they would be and young ladies to know what kind of a man to look for and not to settle for anything less. God, restore our homes. Restore our marriages. Restore our children back to us. God, I'm praying that you'll give the men courage and strength. There is nothing harder than to be responsible for someone other than yourself. God, help us to be bold enough not to keep giving it away, 